Last Sunday, I uh, noticed that our dog had escaped beyond our fence, so I went after her, and it was later in the afternoon, almost about 6 o'clock, I guess, and as I was chasing her down, I saw an older man who was walking along the side of our property. And uh, I stopped him, I stopped and asked, can I help you? And he said, well, I'm, I'm, it, does this street go through? Or at first he said, where's the street? And I said, well, the street's out in front of the house. You're kind of in the back of the house here. And then, and then he said, well, does the street go through? And I said, no, it's a cul-de-sac. And he just put his head down. And I realized, I, I asked him his name, and he told me his name, and I asked him where he was going, and he, he really couldn't express where home was. And he said he'd been walking most of the afternoon. But he didn't really quite know, and he could see that the sun was starting to set, which way he needed to head. And about that time, Becky uh, came up, and she, she is just amazing. She is an am- and actually, we're celebrating our 40th anniversary this next week, so amazing she's put up with me, okay, for 40 years. But beyond that, she, she was amazing with this older man and just invited him in, and we began to have a conversation, and uh, we asked him, you know, a little bit about the details of his life, and he just couldn't recall. And so we asked him if he had a wallet or any ID, and she went through his ID, and uh, had had a Nevada, Nevada, Nevada state uh, driver's license and ID, and he had no contacts that he was in St. Louis. And so we did find a, a, a number, and a West County number, on there, 636, and so we called it, and uh, his nephew began to unravel things, and there had already been a police report that he was a missing person. He had walked six or seven miles from someplace in, uh, in Kirkwood where he was staying with his sister and was just completely disoriented. It seems to me, if I could borrow this very current descriptive and emotional sort of metaphor, that uh, like this elderly man, many of us, particularly through this pandemic, I don't know about you, but I've felt it, have been walking a bit aimlessly, felt a lot of confusion, feel a certain degree that's fairly high of confusion, knowing how to even come out of it. It's not just that it's behind us, but we're still in some ways in the middle of it. We lack a bit of understanding on where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. Both on an individual level, some of us on a family level, and others of us on, on, certainly on the level uh, as a church. And it's interesting because I think like this man, sometimes we don't know quite how to draw on the past, our past memories, in order to determine our future. But this is the story of Scripture, and this is why Scripture's been given, and this is why we have the story of Joshua, to remember 
in order to figure out how to move forward. And so I suggest that in some ways we are standing on the water's edge, much like, much like uh, Joshua and the children of Israel, but do we have the faith to go forward? That's the question before us. And I want to simply put up this picture of next steps and ask this question, what are your next steps of faith? And this won't be the last time you hear it. I'll be trying to reiterate that question in different ways over the next few weeks. What are your next steps of faith? I don't mean to suggest that in any way they've ever been easy. If you think about the book of Joshua, the people of Israel are finally crossing the promised land. But at different times and places in their own history, God's people stopped trusting him for various reasons along the way. It was extremely hard, for instance, to trust the people, for, uh, for, to trust God while the people were in Egypt. If you can think about the change in your life in the last year, year and a half, during this pandemic, imagine a period of oppression, of slavery for the people in Egypt for 400 years. And they're recounting and they're trying to remember who God is in order to move forward. That shapes the people for generation. Well, how about during the Israelites' journey through the wilderness? Most of us in this crowd remember that the people grumbled. What do we drink? They grumbled. What are we to eat? And you recall how much they wanted to return to a different day to look back. And suddenly they remembered Egypt, even though they were in slavery and it was sounding so good. It was exhausting and exasperating in the desert. And so along with the grumbling and the complaining and the doubting God and doubting the leadership and there was fear and there was anger and there was apathy. Does any of this sound familiar to what we're going through today in our own journey? Have the next steps of faith ever been easy? Well, the great leader Moses dies, and he didn't get to finish the journey, but he gazed at the promised land from afar on the mountaintop of Mount Nebo. And so the scene here in Joshua 1, as I read it, is deeply emotional, as there is this handoff from Moses to Joshua. And maybe this part of crossing the Jordan of all the journeys of the people of Israel is the hardest of all. And I'm going to point out why to you in just a moment. Maybe you could say it this way, that as they were to get into the land, they were to wipe out all the people in those cities. That doesn't sound very sensitive to, <laughs> to our 21st century ears, okay? To, to these godless giants that were in the land. So this was a massive task that was in front of them, and it was scary, and it was gruesome, and it was hard to stomach God's request for a holy war of complete destruction. But if you read your Bible, that is exactly what God asked Joshua and his army to do. And many from then till now have lost their faith 
at exactly this point. I want to read just two sections of Scripture to help you understand their battle. Our battle is different, okay? And I want to say that at the outset. And we don't have a military conquest in front of us, so we're going to borrow the metaphor, but I want you to understand what they were about to embark on as they crossed the river. Two passages. The first one is from Genesis chapter 6 and verses 4 through 6. There's a lot on that slide. Hope you can see this at home if you're joining with us. If not, open your Bibles to Genesis 6, 4 through 6. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and this is one of these quirky passages in the book of Genesis, and also afterward, when the sons of God, these are some kind of divine beings, went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. Then the next verse says, the Lord saw how great the wickedness. Do you notice this link between verse 4 and the sons of God, these divine beings, having sex with the, the, the daughters and the, the human beings, and now this wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time and the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. I want you to notice that these beings, it says the Nephilim, were on the earth in those days. Passage 2 is now, turn to the next passage, there we are, from Numbers chapter 13. Remember when the and the, the spies were sent out to scope out the land. Numbers 13 says this, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Now, this tip might take a lot of unpacking and even a lot more than I can simply do in this, in this sermon in terms of understanding these Nephilim. But let me say it simply this way. There were giants in the land. And God's plan to cross over the river and take possession of the land meant clearing out the enemy kingdoms to fight this war. And I am simply saying this, is that God's people must trust Him throughout the entire journey. Otherwise, all that had gone before is lost in this moment. And here we are as 21st century followers to this story, and we don't have a holy war of violence to fight, and we're not called to wipe out opposing nations, and Jesus has taught us differently, but I want to tell us this morning that we do have spiritual 
wars to fight that require our minds, our hearts, our money, our bodies, our faith. That's what the series is about. And God's faithfulness is essential. The book of Joshua then becomes a teaching resource. It becomes a metaphor for our own journey. And let me go back to the question. What are your next steps of faith? What is God asking you to believe, to do, to trust? Before you answer, I want to point out just a few things in this text in Joshua 1. First point is from verse 3. Our text says this, And I'll give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. God had made a promise first to Abraham, reiterated it again to Moses, and it is simply this, I mean said this way, next steps of faith are always rooted in the promises of God. So as you figure out your next steps of faith, I want you to go back to your Bible whether to the book of Joshua or to other accounts of Scripture, and ask that question. What are the promises of God so that I can entrust my life in these next steps of faith? For instance, this morning, to trust in God's promises, you, you, you put your faith in the fact that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and was raised again. You weren't there. You're trusting, you're putting your, pro, your trust, your confidence, not only in the Word of God, but in the promises of God that this very, very peculiar thing, a man being executed on a cross, could actually somehow, through God's crazy way of looking at the world, forgive your sin. Wipe it out. Reconcile you back to God. When you're sharing in the Lord's Supper, it's about the promise. It's remembering what God has done and His promise that He is going to return for His people. We're trusting that God is doing something to us and for us and in us by giving us His Spirit, pledging His covenant faithfulness to us. It's all about the promises of God, and the promises of God invite us to take the next steps. I was thinking about my own life this week. I was thinking about how I think I've done reasonably good. I felt a lot of anxiety in the last year, year and a half. I'm kind of prone that way, wired that way anyway, for, for all sorts of different reasons, and having to re, kind of re commit my life and my, you know, let God handle this and give it back to God. And in that process, I found that I was doing a lot more, I would call it, more contemplative prayer and meditative prayer. But you know, there's what, what I wasn't really doing so much, and I, again, this is not about beating myself up, but it's the point that I, this is the stage that I am at now, is that I want to rely on God's promises 
as I take some steps of faith, and if God says, if we seek Him, if we, if we ask Him, if we seek Him, and then we will knock on the door that He'll answer, then what are some areas where I can stretch my faith taking those next steps? I want to trust God's promises that He answers bold prayers. Number two, verse five. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life, God tells Joshua. As I was with Moses, I will be with you, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. So my question this morning, if that's true for Joshua, this morning, do you believe in a personal, powerful, living, active God? You see, we live in a world of science, a world of business, a world of medicine, a world of a culture that has essentially turned our world into a closed universe. Faith invites us to operate in an open world, an open universe where the supernatural God of heaven intersects our lives on earth. If that is not true, then what is the point of praying? Point two then, as you take your next step of faith, God's presence is closer to you than your next breath. Isn't this what God tells Joshua? A couple weeks ago, I had a crazy idea. I do this pretty much every day, but I had a crazy idea that I shared with a friend. And, uh, and he said, uh, thinking that it was a bit crazy, he said, he kind of recentered my thought, and he said, uh, don't forget that the Spirit is at work in our lives. I was like, why did he just tell me that? What was his point? But I, relayed, I re related my crazy idea to that truth. And I allowed the Spirit to be in conversation with the Spirit. And I listened over the next day, and I lost all interest in my idea. I was convinced within 24 hours that it wasn't from God. God answers our prayers. He's near to us. Point three. Text says, verse seven, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave us, do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Motivational words, for sure. God's encouragement and admonishment to us. But I want to say this. This morning, this is not about mustering more self-generated power. That being strong and courageous 
in some way may come from within you, but it is not about you. It is about God. It is about the reason we can be strong and courageous is not because we have lots of muscle, but because, or because we have fearless spirits, but it's theological. The reason we can be strong and courageous is because of our faith that is rooted in God, who is faithful. Let me put it negatively and put it positively. We will, if we will fail to trust God when, with our future, when we fail to remember who He is and what He has done. Said the other way, point three. We find strength and courage when we remember who God is and what He has done. He's the powerful one, so we can be strong and courageous at His side. Your next steps can be strong and courageous because God is leading you with His presence and power. Then just for a moment, back to verse 8. If we could turn back there, Jeff. Scripture there in verse 8 said, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it. Though it was given to Joshua, this is our meditation as well. And in fact, the text says constantly, day and night. Let me see if I can bring it together this morning and invite you to read the book of Joshua this week. We'll We'll uh, pick, uh, cherry pick some of the best uh, messages in this great, great uh, book uh, over the next six weeks. Application. While the pandemic was a mess, we're trying to write the next chapter of our lives. And moving forward, even coming back together as a family of faith, taking next steps of faith, it's challenging. There are some real giants in the land. And then probably some of our imagination. But it's hard to tell which ones are which ones. And we've got to face them. And so my question this morning, one more time, is what is God calling you to do? In what ways is he asking you to stick out your neck and trust him with your future? Some of us, I believe, are, need to address our complacency. Your heart is really lukewarm at this point. To God, to your faith, to the Scripture, to the Spirit, and to the church. We can say the pandemic did it to us. It was a factor in all of this, but this is the reality. And I'm praying that things like camp that kicks off this week and uh, the Honduras trip and, and uh, McKaylee doing street reach with the teens, they'll provide some meaningful, if not significant, next steps for some. But what about for you? Some of us need to make some shifts in our priorities today, this week. Maybe it is to move closer, for instance, to our faith family. Maybe 
even to some with whom you do not see eye to eye. Some of us need the freedom that comes from confession and repentance, and I want to invite that, not as something that is oppressive to hold over you, but as a way to set you free. This is how God made us. He invited us to confession and to repent so that we indeed could be set free. Some of us need relationships, this is myself, with people who have the gift of faith. You know, our faith levels aren't aren't the same. In fact, some people are just wired to have faith. I'm a very analytical person. It doesn't come easy for me. I kind of reason my way to it, and then it slips away again. Because it's not always even particularly reasonable. But some have the gift of faith, and I need to be around people that have the gift of faith. Might invite you to do that as well. Some of us need to express to the church... I don't know if that's in your small group or that's to the leadership or that's to one of the ministers. I need help. I cannot carry these burdens alone. And I've been holding on and hiding too long. So I want to invite you to do that. Fathers, Oh, you need faith too. You need faith first. Is your faith in Christ first? Can you say, can you say this? I am going to take action in leading my family to love God above all else. I might have told the story about uh, Paul Tripp. Uh, he wrote a book on parenting and on families, and it's a, it's a wonderful book. And he got to the end of his book, and he was going on a book tour uh, around the country preaching and teaching on his book about fatherhood and about parenting, and, and he realized something was just critically, crucially missing. And so he had made a determination after writing that book, I'm never going to write another book on parenting again. And then God started to put this conviction on his heart that he had written about all of these very important things about parenting, spending time, quality times with your kids, making memories, you know, the need for love and discipline and all of these things. And he forgot the most important thing to help his children to rely on and learn about the grace of God. So he had to write another book. It's a very good one. Fathers need faith too. Church, as I close this morning, we are much like the man in my backyard. It's easy to wander off to wander around, to lose our bearings, to have our memory of God 
and faith and conversion and our history with the church and with Scripture to fail us. I believe we are standing at the River Jordan. Here's the question. What are your next steps of faith? And will you take them? Blessings to you. Thank you.